0: Well, let's pray as we get stuck into this passage together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, and we pray that you would speak to us. Uh, Speak to us by your word and by your spirit. And Lord, give us not just head knowledge, but life transformation, that we may live our lives to your praise and glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a number of years ago, on a cold winter's morning, I was driving on my way to work, and behind me pulled out two motorcyclists. Uh, But then one started swerving from side to side. It seemed as if he wanted to warm up his tyres. This was fine until he swerved a little bit too far. His bike was washed out from underneath him, and he and the bike went sliding out into oncoming traffic at about 70 kilometres per hour and he went down into a ditch. Uh, I pulled over to make sure that they were okay, And I was chatting to the bloke, and he told me that he and his mate were on their way to a defensive driving course. (laughs) You see, it's one thing to say that you're a defensive and cautious driver and even sign up to do a course. It's another thing to actually change how you drive. It's one thing to say that you're a believer in Jesus and a Christian. It's another thing to actually live a life that has been changed and transformed in the light of his grace. And this is what James is leading to in these verses here today. That claiming that you have faith in Jesus is good, but this faith must always lead to a changed life with good works. That good works and action is the fruit of faith. And so then, faith without deeds is dead. Uh, But before we get stuck into this passage, let's just keep one single thing in mind as we go throughout. That we are saved by grace alone through faith alone. We aren't saved by what we do. Our good works don't attract God to us. Our good works don't play any part in our salvation. Uh, we see this made abundantly clear in passages such as Romans chapter 5, verse 1, where Paul writes that therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we see this made even clearer in Titus chapter 3, verse 4 to 5, which says, But when the kindness and love of God appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things that we have done, not because of any good things that we have done, but because of His mercy so then we are saved not because we have somehow earned it but simply because of God's unending phenomenal grace it's not a case of crossing our fingers and hoping that we've done enough no we can be confident in God's free gift to us so then this morning if you are here in person or joining us online and you haven't yet turned to Jesus Today is a great day to do so. Uh, you can do so freely, not trusting in your own goodness, but in God's love and mercy. However, we've just heard from James today, now reading before, in verse 20, chapter two, verse 20, that faith without deeds is useless, and in verse 24, that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. And verse 26, that faith without deeds is dead. So is James proclaiming some kind of works-based righteousness here? Or salvation by works? Or that our works somehow need to top up our faith? No, not at all. James isn't saying that we are saved by our action, but he is saying that our actions are a necessary outworking of our faith in Jesus. James is simply saying... That if we claim to be a christian then our lives should match up to that claim so today we'll see that faith without action is dead that action is the fruit of faith and that faith and action work together so look with me at verse 14. what good is it my brothers and sisters if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds Can such faith faith save them? And in the original language, we expect the answer, no, it cannot save them. And no, their faith is no good at all. Uh, This is really quite hard to hear, isn't it? Maybe a little bit shocking. That faith without action or without work or without change is useless. Uh, We can get so comfortable sometimes in being saved by grace, and that's amazing. We should be able to rest and rejoice in God's grace for us. We should be able to rest in that. But we can get so comfortable that we can forget that we are saved in order to serve and glorify God, that we are saved from sin in order to go sin no more and instead live for Jesus. We're saved by grace alone alone. For God's glory alone. Not for our comfort, not for an easy life, but save to live for God. This is what James is teasing out throughout this passage. And so, to, to help us with this, he gives us uh, an example of a poor brother or sister. Uh, this person isn't just a little bit poor, or the purse strings are a little bit tight. Uh, no, this person doesn't have any decent clothing and doesn't have enough money for food every day. Really, James is describing somebody in poverty. So imagine if someone was uh, to walk in who was living in poverty and I was to have a chat to them and say, well, go well, mate, uh, good luck, Sending good vibes, keep warm, have some food, see you later, but don't actually do anything. What even if I was to pray with them and ask God for clothes and for food for this person but still not give them any basic needs? What would you think? What would your gut reaction be? Oh gosh, his words seem a bit shallow, a bit empty. Is Michael for real here? Does he really practice what he preaches? let's look together at verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but there's nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Do we see that if these words aren't accompanied by action, then words are just hollow, empty, disingenuous, unloving, hypocritical, and even dead? What good are these types of words if we don't actually do anything about them? Well, no good. Useless. It's like having a battery drill without a battery. Or a barbecue without gas. Or a coffee machine with no water. Useless. Dead. And in the same way, verse 17, in the same way, Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. If our lips proclaim that Jesus is our Lord, but this doesn't produce the fruit of repentance and action in our lives, then our faith is like this. if we claim to be followers of jesus and yet we still live exactly as the world does then our faith is like this if we claim with our lips that we are a christian but our way of life hasn't been changed by jesus then our faith is like this dead please hear this this isn't saying that we have to be perfect this isn't saying that our good works can save us or add to our salvation in any any way but that our faith in jesus must naturally lead us into living a life for jesus if it doesn't then our faith is like empty hypocritical unloving words because action is always the fruit of faith. Now, some people may have said that action and faith are two separate things, that there's no connection, maybe like different gifts, you know. You have the gift of faith, I have the gift of action, we can go both live our separate ways. But James says that this isn't the case. Uh, He brings in an imaginary person into the conversation to argue with, uh, to make the case that actions are a natural outflowing of faith. So, chapter 2, verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. James is kind of mocking his friend here. He's saying, go, go make visible your faith without deeds. Show it off if you can. But actually, you can't. We can't make visible what is hidden, and we can't show off faith without deeds, because faith without deeds is useless. However, a faith that results in a changed life, a changed allegiance and a new way of living that results in good works, is alive and visible faith. It can be seen. It produces the fruit of good works. Now, just imagine that you wanted to start a garden. Now, this isn't gardening tips from Michael. Don't take any gardening advice from me. These are just my observations. But let's say you want to set up a garden. And you set up a little nursery, put some seeds in a little planter box, make sure that the climate is right, that the seeds have got enough water. Well, those seeds aren't in there just to look invisible, are they? They are there to produce a plant, to produce fruit. And if there is no fruit, then those seeds are useless. Similarly, our faith isn't just something that we mentally assent to or hat-tip to that produces no change or is just invisible. No, our faith is there to be shown off, to be made visible in any, every area of our lives. To change the way that we think, the way that we act, behave, the way that we speak, the way that we treat other people, the way that we use our time, the way that we use our financial resources, every area. And note, this isn't for us to think, oh gosh, have I got enough fruit? Now remember, we aren't saved by the fruit, but we are saved by the faith that is rooted in Jesus. And then that faith produces the fruit of repentance. Because if we don't, if we say that we believe that Jesus is Lord, but we don't change our lives, but if our lives aren't changed, then James says that we are no better off than the demons. Look with me from verse 19. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even demons believe that and shudder. It's important to remember here that James is probably writing to a Jewish Christian audience. And in these verses, he quotes what is called the Shema, which is the uh, Jewish uh, confession of faith. And he's saying that if they believe this, but don't actually act on it, then they are just as in trouble as the agents of the evil one. bit of a warning. And this is a warning to us. This is a warning against nominal or, Christ- or cultural Christianity. A version of Christianity that says, oh yeah, we're a Christian, but only really by title. Uh, we ticked the box that said Christian on the census, so we must be. Or a version of Christianity that says, oh, we've been going to church all our lives. It's what we do. Of course we're a Christian, but it has no impact on our lives. That isn't real faith. And that sort of faith is dead. Yes, we could have the most perfect doctrine. We could memorize the Apostles' Creed. We could memorize the Nicene Creed. Uh, we could have all the confessions in our heads. We could even say that we believe that Jesus is God. But as Matthew says in uh, as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Friends, Jesus has saved us for us not only to acknowledge him with our lips, but to serve him with our lives. For me personally, this is a warning against professional Christianity. Of thinking that, you know, I'm a minister, of course I'm a Christian, of course. I even went to Bible college and learnt Greek. But is my life really reflecting the faith that I proclaim? Well, in some ways, yes. But in a lot of ways, no, sadly. Not that I have to earn my faith, but that my actions ought to be the fruit of faith. Let's put it this way. Uh, Let's say that you claim to be a Michelin star chef. You have all the pots and pans. You have the sharpest knives. You have all the latest cookbooks. Uh, Maybe you've even watched every episode of MasterChef and have taken copious amounts of notes. You know everything there is to know about cooking. But if you've done all of these things and have never cooked a single meal in your life, Can you really claim to be a chef? No, your claims are empty. Because there is no evidence. No fruit. Likewise, our claim to faith should be matched by the fruit of our faith. Good works. Good deeds. Action. And these aren't two separate things. No, rather, faith and action work together. Uh, James uses two examples from Israel's history to illustrate this point. Firstly, the great Jewish patriarch uh, Abraham, and secondly, the Gentile prostitute Rahab. And if we compare the pair, they both believe in God, they both have faith in God, but also they both worked for God. So have a look with me from verse 20. "'You foolish person!' Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac in the altar? You see that his faith and actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. Now, Let's go back in history and get our order uh, in order. In Genesis 15, God promised Abraham that he and his wife Sarah would have a son and that from this son a great nation would be born. And this is where it says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Then eventually Isaac was born after the fact and then the testing that James mentions here happens in Genesis chapter 22. The faith was there before the works. The righteousness was declared before this work in obedience to God. So as told, he went to offer his son to God, trusting in God, believing in God, and God recognized this obedience as the evidence of faith. Amazing obedience. And his righteousness and rightness with God was made visible by what he did, was validated by what he did. His faith was made complete or his faith reached its full potential and purpose when he was living out for God. And so does ours. Our faith and action ought to work together to lead us to obedience to the will of God and to live for his glory. And then our faith is living out its purpose and proved to be alive. Because so we need to remember that our faith isn't for our comfort. It is comforting, but it's not for a life of ease or for our health and wealth, but rather it is for us to be in relationship with God to serve and to obey him Uh, rahab also grasped this uh, before the spies came into the land uh, to jericho they came to spy out the land the promised land and while the israelites were still in the wilderness they were in danger but rahab had heard about the lord and believed in him and then she demonstrated her faith She lived out her faith in her actions by saving the life of the spies and sending them away from trouble. Her faith and her actions work together for God's purposes. And so James concludes in verse 26. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. The faith without deeds is no faith at all. It's shallow, empty, and doesn't reach its full purpose or potential. And one of the biggest belief blockers here in Australia is the hypocrisy of Christians. Christians who say that they are Christian, but then don't live it out. Their lives don't match up to their confession. But James here says there ought to be none of that because real faith works. And this could be different for everyone. You know, It could mean serving in a soup kitchen and giving to the poor. Given what we've been seeing in James, that could be quite appropriate. It could mean serving God faithfully and generously on our front lines, simply living faithfully in a world that's so unfaithful could mean prioritizing God afresh in our family life and in our diaries. It could mean remaining diligent and faithful in prayer for the world and for the church. It could mean all of these things and more. It looks different for everybody. But we don't do these things in order to tick off a list. We don't do these things to rock up to heaven with our badges of achievements that say, God, look at what I did. No, but we ought to bring every area of our lives into obedience to Christ. Now, there may be some people here now who might consider themselves followers of Jesus because they're simply here, or follow the creeds, or are fans of Jesus. If this is you today, If you call yourself a fan of Jesus, but not a follower, is your life matching up to the faith that you claim? Have you repented and turned all of your life under the Lordship of Jesus? Because if we claim that we are a Christian but don't live into it, then hear the warning from James that faith without deeds is dead. On the flip side, there may be some of us here today who find this passage really quite confronting. Because our love seems often cold, our service half-hearted, and our actions weak. Passages like this can potentially cause us to question how we really follow Christ. And if this is you here today or online, remember that we aren't saved by what we do. We aren't saved by the fruit. But we are saved by what Jesus has done for us on the cross and in his resurrection. So, friend, take heart. Turn your eyes afresh upon Jesus and continue to live for him. Be assured that you are saved. You are loved. But also go. Go and continue to live out your faith, trusting not in your own goodness, but in God's love and mercy for you. So let's pray and ask God to help us with this. Our loving Heavenly Father, how we thank you so much that we are saved by grace through faith. Not by any good things that we have done, but by your grace and mercy. So Lord, help us in our lives to live out this faith. Help us to live it out in every area of our lives. May we bring every area under the Lordship of Jesus. Help us to never just mentally assent to a set of rules or to a set of doctrines, but to give our whole lives over to you. So, Lord, help us with this. Help us live faithfully for you so that many may see our good deeds and come and praise your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.